Welcome to episode 254 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is a bit of a short episode on the messy objects based on a listener email. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky. And this podcast is for anybody else who likes going out under the stars. So we had this, I, and I feel like I got to say this, this, uh, this episode is kind of like um, podcast dessert for me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Explain that. <laughs> I just, I just really liked this email. It was right yeah, up my too. alley. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. uh, and so, um, we, we had to sort of, sometimes we have to adjust the uh, schedule around from when we're recording. And then this, this one ended up being last. And I'm really glad this is the last one we're recording today. Um, because, uh, this one I think will be a lot of fun. So, uh, we had this fantastic email from, uh, from a listener this week. Uh, Carson sent us, uh, a note, Shane, and, uh, uh, did you want to, did you want to read it? it? It's a, sure. it's a great email. Maybe uh, you can read it and then we can just, uh, discuss it. And, uh, and yeah, it's a pretty good email. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Carson says, hello, Chris and Shane, uh, greetings from Southern California. My name is Carson and I've been listening to your podcast for well over a year and have been involved in amateur astronomy for about two years. Your podcast has helped me advance, uh, further than I could have imagined in astronomy and I'll always appreciate you too for it. Uh, I definitely believe astronomy will be a lifelong hobby of mine. I'm 19 and look forward to every new episode, especially with the new summer shorts. Um, Messier's catalog has been recommended to me countless times starting out in astronomy, but lately I've been going through easy NGC IC objects and I found that some of them are much easier to see uh, than some of the Messier's list um, or some objects on the Messier's list. Uh, are there non-Messier objects uh, you guys believe should be on the list? For example, I think Kemble's Cascade, uh, the North American Nebula, or IC4665 should be Messier objects. Uh, alternatively, are there Messier objects that don't deserve their spot on uh, his catalog due to difficulty uh, observing? Uh, Clear Skies, Carson. So yeah, awesome email, great points, uh, and um, I think we both replied to him and I, I know this is something you're somewhat passionate about too, Chris. Yeah. So just to kind of unpack a little bit, uh, Charles Messier was a French astronomer observing at the Hotel de Cluny in Paris and, uh, a pretty fascinating chap. And I've actually gone to the Hotel de Cluny and done some, uh, investigation of my own on what it would have been like, uh, to have been Charles Messier and to stand on top of that turret. Uh, myself and and to see um, what he would have seen because in that area of Paris, um, it hasn't really changed all that much uh, since Messier's time that the, his building is still there. There's a lot of uh, gardens um, that were there at his time that are still around that building. And a lot of the old buildings, like um, I think it's, I forget the name of it, but basically it's like the Paris uh, Center for Astronomy isn't too far from there. The Foucault's pendulum isn't too far from there. Um, there's a lot of stuff in that area that's that's still there. I spent two days there um, hanging out. Um, Messi compiled a list of objects. He discovered some of them. Um, many of them were discovered by other observers. Um, and what he was doing, what Charles Messi was doing, is he was trying to find comets to become rich and famous, basically kind of in a way, sort of to oversimplify perhaps, but just to kind of uh, say what he was uh, actually uh, doing there. But... Um, that list has sort of become synonymous with like a beginner's list for astronomy. Is that sort of a fair way to put it, Shane? 
Yeah, I think so. Like um, that was probably the first list that I had heard of when I joined the local astronomy club. And, um, you know, I think almost universally gets recommended as kind of the, a good place to begin your observing. Right. And now I don't know if I agree with, um, with the idea that this is like the best beginners list though, um, simply because the list, um, was created by a person who was searching for comets using particular instruments, um, about 200 years ago, actually about like almost 300 years ago now. And, um, because of that, and because of how he was searching, some things made it on his list while other things, um, did not make it on the list. And the list as Charles Messier was, uh, was creating, it wasn't designed to be a list for someone to work through as they were sort of learning the night sky to do amateur astronomy. It's, it's sort of, um, been taken for that, which, which has been good in some respects, but in other respects, uh, like Carson is pointing out, uh, not so good. And, uh, some of the targets, uh, that Carson points out, I, I think are pretty, um, good targets for, for people who are getting their feet wet. Um, but in, anyway, Shane, I'm not sure what your comments are on, uh, on this to get going. Um, yeah, just that, um, you know, it's an interesting list for sure, but, um, one of the things that struck me early on too, I think is pretty much the exact realization that Carson had uh, or has is that, um, there's a lot of other great objects out there. And I think when I first started the Messier list, my assumption was that these are probably the brightest things in the sky. And, uh, while a number of the Messier objects are, are certainly showpieces, uh, there are some that are really not that, you know, fantastic to look at, or maybe a little, uh, you know, a little less inspiring than some of the others. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the other side of that, there's some amazing things to look at that are not Messier objects, like the double cluster. And, you know, as Carson mentioned, a few there, uh, like the North American Nebula, Campbell's Cascade, and on and on and on. Right. Right. And uh, one of my um, points of contention with the Messier list is that uh, it contains 40 galaxies, and the list contains 40 galaxies, 27 open clusters, 29 globular clusters, six diffuse or planetary, and uh, then there's some double stars and such. So um, the you know sort of voting majority of objects in the list are galaxies, and uh, a few of them are bright, but for the most part, uh, many of them are just kind of small galaxies up in like the Leo Virgo area, and uh, that that kind of is is sort of a tough. Uh, sort of region to to work through and the other thing is is that um, I always feel like looking at galaxies is more um, something that people with sort of larger aperture like dedicated um, galaxy observing instruments are gonna enjoy more and I kind of feel like in a way this inadvertently channels people's observing to maybe get larger instruments that are better adept at looking for those sort of objects than maybe um, some of the other objects, which smaller, more portable, more affordable instruments are good at looking at, like, for example, open uh, clusters and large nebulae and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with that. And, and because Messier was, you know, searching for comets and this turned into sort of a non-comet list, uh, I think there were some objects that he probably looked at, but it was apparent to him already that they were not comets, like 
you know, say Campbell's Cascade, which wasn't really called that back then, but, um, you know, the, a number of these things like the double cluster probably uh, did not resemble a comet to him. So, you know, never made the list. And as such, it just lacks uh, diversity for me. And, um, uh, you know, there's, there's no double stars, carbon stars on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so for sure, you know, but you know, I, I still think it's a wonderful list. I really enjoyed it when I did work through it with my eight inch and 12 inch Newtonian. Um, but now that I'm, uh, primarily observing with a four inch refractor, I love Stephen James O'Meara's hidden treasures because that whole list and book is all observed with his four inch refractor. So it sort of yeah. matches you know, what I'm doing. And, and, uh, I've had a lot of fun with that list. So, you know, the, the interesting thing I, you know, in my opinion about all of these astronomy lists, and there's a lot out there is, um, there's not really like one perfect list. I I think it really depends on what telescope you have, uh, and what you like to observe or how you observe. Um, then you can start to, uh, either pick a list that kind of checks all your boxes or you start to make your own lists. Um, yeah. and, and there's a number of ways to do that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I really like what uh, Carson wrote about um, some of the objects that he mentioned, like North American Nebula, IC4665, which is sometimes called the Summer Beehive, um, some of the Dark Nebulae, um, you know, Double Cluster, these sort of things, these, these are great objects. Um, one person who made up um, sort of a bit of a competing list was um, Alan Dyer here in Canada out of, out of Calgary and somebody who's, who's come and spoken at our astronomy meetings and um, we've done some other stuff with in the, in the past. Um, but, uh, but again, that list does have a lot of galaxies and, and that sort of thing uh, as well. So I think like Stephen James Amira's uh, Hidden Treasures, I think that itself is uh, almost a hidden treasure on its own. It's an awesome mm-hmm. um, list. Um, there are some other lists. One of the lists that um, that I found, people can find this um, if they Google my name, Chris Beckett, and Classic Observing List. Um, I put the I put the link in here, Shane. Um, if you wouldn't mind, maybe uh, tweeting this out. Um, it's on the Harvard Abstracts, and I wrote an article in 2019 based on a list that I discovered in the uh, annals of the RASC Observer's Handbook, um, which includes uh, a list of uh, nebulae, uh, of which I think the North American Horsehead and some other interesting objects um, are part of. And uh, there certainly are a lot of other lists out there that people could endeavor um, to, to observe, which I think are, uh, might be more, more beginner-oriented um, do you ever do the Explore the Universe program from the RASC? No, I haven't actually. No. Yeah, so that includes some some things like some double stars and carbon. It's like a better assortment. You know what they did there, and I I was on the committee as as this worked through. But um, one person who's really spearheaded the edits on that and worked very diligently on it is is our friend Dave Chapman, and um, you know what they've endeavored to do, and they put Kemble's Cascade on there, by the way is to create a list that is more broadly representative of all the different objects that, uh, that, that you might see through amateur telescopes to really give somebody that broad exposure. Um, it's not a very long list. I think, boy, I got to say there's less than 50 required objects um, and it's free. Any, anybody can go to RASC.ca, download the Explore the Universe and, uh, and work through that. I think that's good. 
The one thing that I was really impressed by, though, is um, I think Carson mentioned he's just been doing um, astronomy for a couple years, and he's already hunting down things like uh, like the North American Nebula and stuff like that. I got to say, I was pretty impressed with that. That's some pretty good observing, uh, considering that you've just been doing it a short time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the North American Nebula is another one of those deceptive objects. When you look on a star chart, like in the Pocket Sky Atlas, it it looks quite large, and it is. And mm -hmm. I I think even the magnitude on it, if you look it up, uh, is it, it it's a fairly bright magnitude. However, it is a very diffuse magnitude, and yeah. it is a very difficult object to see if you don't have the right sky. Um, that's yeah. probably the most important thing: is a real dark sky to see that one. And yeah. uh, you know, it is a fantastic object uh, to observe, um, but it's one of those ones that's a little more challenging. Yeah, um, and also uh, IC four six six five. There, are that summer beehive and Kemble's Cascade. Um, yeah, I like these objects. They're all big. Uh, wide field objects. And, and that's what I like to observe. Another list, and I've put this out as well, is uh, I, I made up a list called Wide Field Wonders, which has uh, some of these objects on it and uh, a lot of other and more difficult objects. But, you know, again, probably not a good beginner's list. Same with the other classic observing list. Uh, maybe not necessarily like a beginner's list, but, you know, everybody's different. Like, um, you know, I was reading Carson's email. I'm like, well, Maybe Carson being a beginner is different from, you know, who I was when I was a beginner. If he's hunting down the North American Nebula, you know, as one of his earlier objects, um, maybe hunting down like the horse head or, or things that other people might have said would be too challenging for somebody that early in their astronomy uh, might not be um, uh, too difficult or, or out of the question for somebody like Carson to hunt down. Everybody is different and uh, has different capabilities and, and interests. So uh, yeah, it is, it is one of those things, like you said, where you can kind of sort of make up your own list. I think it's worth hunting down the Messier objects at least once and, and going through that. But then I think um, like what Carson's finding out is that he has a bit of an interest as I do in observing some of these sort of wider field, more contextual uh, objects and seeing how these objects sort of uh, sit in the nighttime sky versus uh, looking at stuff that, you can, you can look at with a smaller field of view. So anyways, I was quite interested in what he wrote. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, he's definitely heading down the right path. And um, hey, he mentioned listening to our, our podcast, our little podcast is, is being helpful to, uh, to him and his, uh, in his observations. So I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, maybe one other thing I'll mention here is, uh, you, like you mentioned, a number of lists uh, all all sound uh, great, and I've worked through uh, a couple of them already, uh, including the Wide Field Wonders. Um, but another uh, alternative that folks have is, um, you know, look at the prominent astronomy clubs in the world, like the RASC, Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, uh, the Astronomy League, and you know, even like uh, local clubs lots of these organizations have their own lists that they've made up and a number of them are really cool. So it just gives you more and more options for uh, different lists to observe and um, different objects uh, that, you know, might match your observing uh, tendencies. Yeah. There's a variety of objects in the nighttime sky. There's bright nebulae um, that fluoresce on their own. There's uh, reflection nebulae, which are reflecting 
uh, light from nearby stars. Typically, those ones are blue or bluish. There's there's dark nebula, which are opaque, and they're the easiest ones to see are the ones that block the most light. You got things like open clusters and globular clusters, and then you got open clusters that are so tight they almost look like globular clusters. You got globular clusters that are so sparse they almost look like open clusters, and then you have you know, uh, just like your supernova remnants and and other types of nebulae, you have your galaxies, all kinds of different kinds of galaxies, spiral, barred spiral, elliptical, spheroidal, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if you, if you, if you look around in astronomy circles, you can, you can find people that prefer maybe one type of object or certain types of objects. You know, the objects I, I'm not really necessarily, uh, I don't really necessarily prefer any one type of object. I think like Carson I like to look at things that are big, you know, I like mm-hmm. to look at them in the context. So that's why I came up with, uh, with my list, which you, you, anybody can complete or, or incomplete. You can do a selection of those wide field wonder objects. And, uh, it, uh, has things like, uh, you know, the North American nebula, easy objects. Um, I, I'm not sure the double clusters on there or not. I know Kemble's cascade is, but then I have things like some sharpless objects, which are, some of them are ridiculously challenging, um, so it's not necessarily like a beginner's list, but uh, there's other things like Sharpless 2-54, which is actually fairly easy to see. It's just something that most people uh, don't look at. So, yeah, it's something I've been toying around with, too, is like retooling my wide field wonders. I've been slowly playing around with some ideas in my head for maybe a, a more approachable version of it than uh, some of the esoteric ones that I, I stuck on there when I wrote it up about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. They're drilling here, Shane. I don't know if you can hear that or not. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> it's not coming through, which is great for listeners. Um, distracting for me. So anyhow, um, would you do you have anything else to add to this? Uh, just our, our little bit on, on Carson's email on the messy objects. No, the, well, the only thing I'll say is um, uh, thank you to Carson for this idea. I think it was an awesome question and uh, I enjoyed talking about this. If anybody has uh, other ideas for future shows uh, or future episodes for us to talk about, uh, please email them to us, uh, actualastronomy at gmail.com. Uh, we always love getting new ideas to talk about. And, um, you know, this is an interesting hobby where I don't think there's ever a shortage of topics. And chances are, if you have a, a question or a thought, many others do too. So uh, let us know and we'd be happy to make an episode out of it at some point. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thank you, Chris. And thanks everybody for listening. Thank you everyone for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. 